Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of Cult Cinematic Catacombs, the show that looks at cult films that are deep, deep, deep in the basement of uh, the vault that is known as cult cinema. Uh, fortunately, the movie that we're going to be looking at in this episode is short, and show it. so is its cast. Uh, joining me for That's, this... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, joining me for this adventure, of course, is uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Farmer himself, Andrew Farmer. That's me. That's me. And, and what's great is I did not realize upon choosing this movie that I'm forcing Mr. Farmer to confront one of his biggest fears. Listen, I'm problematic. <laughs> all right? I will, I'm acknowledging that I am problematic. I know this is a problem. I know I'm not supposed to be scared of people of diminutive size, but I am horrified of people of diminutive size. Um, I'm also scared of clowns. I'm, I'm horrified of clowns. I'm horrified of, of, of little, little people. And, um, I'm, I'm equally horrified of little people singing, singing songs. And this so, movie has all of that. All right. <laughs> So you're doing you're 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 doing things to me that that are um, this is worse this is worse than um, than Liquid Sky for me. And we have and you and you haven't even seen the movie yet. That's the thing. No, no, I watched the five minute Sizzler reel that uh, apparently was produced by Old Hollywood, and. Uh, I, I got introduced to the hero and the villain of the movie very early on, and I'm just sitting there horrified, just watching this thing. And the idea, God, I can't do this. Uh, we are going to get so much hate mail from me being being scared of of little people. We're going to get so much hate. You realize that, right? I'm problematic. I, this, I, this is this is the point at which I'm problematic. I'm scared of. I, I, the only thing I'm scared of, more scared of, the little people is old white women because they're awful. Well, none of that are in this movie, so don't worry about that. Oh, God. Uh, for those who say what you need to say, John Mayer. <laughs> for those who don't know what movie we're talking about here, uh, we are talking about a movie from 1938. Um, it was um, the first and only. Western musical to star an, a cast of nothing but little people, and back then they used the derogative term midgets to cast to, to describe them. I'm t speaking of the terror of Tiny Town. I've heard see, I've heard tell of this. Yeah, the same way that people like to try to tell me to watch it all the time, <laughs> which I have, by the way, I have watched it. I've watched the, the, the wizard of Oz. I've, I've done that. So, you know, sucks to your asthma, piggy. I've, I've lived that life. I've, I've followed my bliss. I've made it out the other side. So I'm going to do this. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned wizard of Oz because the cast of this movie did go on to star in the wizard of Oz as the munchkins because the, Acting troupe that was used in this movie is known as the Singers Midgets, who no, that's what that's their okay. that's their name. Yes, that was the name of the troupe, and that troupe went on to um, star in the the Wizard of Oz. As a matter of fact, um, one of the cast members 
I can't remember which one it is now, but um, one of the cast members in the movie who I, who plays the cook went on to cook, play. Oh, yes, yes. The cook went on to play the mayor of Munchkin City in The Wizard of Oz. So oh, that's a that's a that's a promotion, is what that is. So he actually went on to become a very recognizable face from that movie. Uh, everybody else, on the other hand, you may recognize faces depending on how many times you've watched it. I will walk into faces. <laughs> but um, when I say this movie is short, it is. It's only an hour and two minutes. But as we've learned with some cult films, namely Manos, The Hands of Fate, an hour and two minutes can seem like a long time depending on the movie. Uh, it can. Yeah. You're right. However, for the first time in these three episodes, this is a movie that both Andy and I are going in not seeing. I can't believe you haven't seen this. I, it, again, it's one of those movies where I've heard tale of and I've known of its existence, but I've never had the desire to sit down and watch. Because you would think hearing an, a, a, a cast of little people... Or as one year at um, a convention called All Con, I lovingly oh called I lovingly called them People McNuggets. That's um, not that's that's really not okay. <laughs> um, singing and dancing in the Wild West, and you would think I would watch something like that, but I haven't. And why? Why though? Can I just I, why though? Why was this? Why is this a thing that exists? Can I ask that question? Because it was the, because it was Hollywood in the 1930s. That's why I, I mean, this was definitely a product of uh, the Great Depression. Uh, it definitely was a product of that, where you know anybody wanted to, everybody wanted to make it in Hollywood, and Hollywood was looking for ideas to just entertain the masses to keep their minds off of the Great Depression, and somebody said. Hey, let's take a bunch of little people, put them in a western, and make it a musical. I feel like it's a curiosity. You know what I mean? I feel like it's, what we're it, talking about here is a little bit of a, a curiosity. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the movie Freaks, only probably more horrifying because it's a comedy musical. I could. I, I think I dealt with Freaks better. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> just to be completely honest. <laughs> Um, I will let you know that um, the, um, the the film is actually known as one of the 50 worst movies ever made, according to critic Harry Medved, um, and as a fact was featured in his book, The 50 Worst Movies of All Time and How They Got That Way. Um, the actual true inspiration behind this movie was uh, when the producer Jed Bull was, uh, overheard um, an employee at his production company, which at the time was known as Spectrum Pictures, was complaining about how they're just churning out crap in Hollywood. Does that sound familiar, folks? <laughs> and he said, if this economy doesn't turn around, we're going to have to start making pictures with midgets. And so Jed Buell ran with that idea and decided to make this movie as a result. Um, it bombed. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the, that's, yeah. The, the movie Bond, because you know, yeah, like you said, it was definitely you know most likely seen as a novelty. It was distributed by Columbia Pictures. Um, I really don't know how many people actually purposely went to go see this movie uh, when it came out. So I don't know how bad it bombed or how big of a hit it was. 
But before The Wizard of Oz came around, Jed Buell actually wanted to take the same cast of this movie and cast them in a film version of Paul Bunyan, where he would have cast a six-foot-tall man to play Paul Bunyan. Oh, my God. And cast Are you kidding me? No, and cast the rest of the cast as normal-sized people. So The Hobbit? <laughs> yes, he kind of wanted to do a variation of The Hobbit. He wanted to do a forced perspective, The Hobbit? Shit on this! Oh God, I can't, I can't with this. You are, you are putting me in a place. Um, I, I I'll let you d describe the uh, series of text messages that were sent back and forth after I, um, after I watched the trailer to this because I sent you, um, what can only be described as my cleansing ritual. Well, I'm uh, sure. I'm sure. Uh, I. I, I, I with your reaction, it made it reminded me of an episode of uh, Mash, actually, because I, I not only you know would watch. I was too young to really grasp what was going on with Mash when it first came out, but even watching it in the reruns and also on Hulu, you know, I it's it's it is one of my all time favorite television shows. And I just remembered one episode where Klinger was bitching about the fact that the only movie that they could get to show. Uh, for morale night was the terror of Tiny Town, <laughs> and, and you complaining about it reminded me of that. I'm like, oh god, it's Mash! Oh my god! Uh, so, but it's like you, you, I got this series of, of of messages from him, and I, I I'm going to read a couple of them here. Just actually. read it, man. Just read it. I don't um, care. I'll own it. <laughs> well, the one in big bold letters says. Fucking midgets. Um, <laughs> it does. It does say that, doesn't it? Um, let's see here. Um, uh, let's see. Well, I'm currently looking into a liquid sky night at one of the local clubs. That, that has, I did say that. I'm that has nothing that to do out. with this. I've, I, um, I've, come, I've come around the bend. I've come all the way around the bend on Liquid Sky. Um, after the Kindred, I, I've, I've found a new appreciation for Liquid Sky. I think that I think I can really embrace it at a different level now. So thanks for whatever that is. <laughs> so yeah, here I am. It's like, um, are you when are you ready to tackle the terror of Tiny Town? He said next week, and I hate you. And I go, why? And you go, how about midgets? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then, um, let's see here, uh, do, 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 do. I said minutes only 62 minutes long, uh, that way the musical Midget Western will re will be fresh in your brain, you go, yes, great, perfect, they can't hold guns. Uh, <laughs> I, listen, there's a scene in the, so I need, to, here's a question I have, are, are the guns specially made? I, in, I don't know. Movie, I don't know. Little tiny hands. I because they ride. I mean, the one things that I the things that I've read about this movie is I know that that they don't ride regular horses. They ride Shetland ponies. And I, I heard this. that when they go into the saloon, they don't even go through the swinging doors. They walk under the swinging oh, doors. Man. Yeah, it's like you even asked me in one of the conversations. You said, "Are they able to hold bullwhips?" Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I brought up the movie uh, The Sinful Dwarf to you, which I will not subject you to. I've had to watch that movie once, and I never want to see that movie ever again. It was... Well, that's appreciated. <laughs> but, you decided uh, to save me from that one. I oh, appreciate yeah. that. Well, yeah, because it's rapey. 
I mean, the whole movie yeah. is just so rapey. But then you also said, <laughs> I said, are you ready to record tonight? And you go, Jesus, that promo sizzler. Stop <laughs> saying midgets. Oh, my just God. Stop saying midget. 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 <laughs> I had no. to. I had to listen to Cherish by Madonna three times after watching that promo in a cleansing ritual. It's true. That's part of my, when I need to be cleansed, I listen to Cherish on repeat. That's, that is absolutely something that I do. I, 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 I need that because it just, okay, so here's the other thing, right? As much as I am irrationally afraid and I have my reasons, don't question them. I have my reasons. As much as I'm irrationally afraid, I also feel kind of bad, right? I feel kind of bad for for the little people in these movies. Oh, they're so being exploited. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't even seen the whole film yet. Just that five minute sizzler. I'm like, oh my god, they're being exploited up the wazoo. Yeah, because it's not like oh well, we're just gonna do a. Uh, it's not like oh we're gonna do um, a movie. And we're going to cast these people and then treat them as human beings. Yeah, it's not like no. Freaks where it was trying to paint them in a normal light or anything like that. This was just, we got midgets and we're going to treat them like the freaks they are. <laughs> Look at the midgets, people. Like, no, this is all, this is bad. You're bad people. Like, yeah. you're, not, you're not good people. That's like, why I'm, I'm fearing watching this one. I mean, it, 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 like I said, I've never watched it. It's been in syndicated television for years. In fact, the first time it was ever shown on television was in 1949. But um, I, I've, I've never sat down to watch it, and now here we are. Best case scenario, okay? I'm going to give you my best case scenario. Okay. My best case scenario is I come out the other side of this movie with a newfound respect for for little people, actors and actresses being exploited. That's my best case. So you're saying that it may make you uh, have a newfound respect for the movie Under the Rainbow? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> for those not old enough to know Under the Rainbow, Under the Rainbow was a movie that came out starring Chevy Chase and Carrie Fisher and, um, oh God, what's his name? Um, oh, Billy Barty. Um, and it was a movie that was loosely based on the shenanigans that happened on the set of The Wizard of Oz. Um, it turned out that the movie was more fiction than fact uh, because it was based off of stories that um, uh, Julie Garland said while drunk about working with them on the set. Oh, of you the mean Wizard awake? Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, another kind of an exploitive movie that was supposed to explore the exploitedness of using the cast back in the days and in reality they made an exploitation movie with Carrie Fisher running around in a bra um, so there you have it well sure like you do <laughs> um, I actually just found out this movie was actually a box office hit not a bomb it was a hit um, how did how how it, it, because the movie at the time in Hollywood, I know this is in 1930, so $100,000 is still a good chunk of money, especially during the Great Depression. But apparently it it made seven times that in the box office. So, yeah, it was a curiosity thing. People were going to see this movie for the lack of better terminology. Look at all the midgets. Man, 
that's that's rough. Yeah. So it, 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 it was for the freak. They they they, they pr- apparently I guess promoted it as the, as a freak show, and that's why people flocked to go see it was because they thought it was a freak show. Wow. All right. Uh, how, All right. However, the reception, we, the critics look at it today, and yeah, it is considered one of the worst films ever made. Uh, TV Guide said it is one of the strangest ideas ever committed to celluloid. Um, let's see here. Uh, Time Magazine called the movie disappointingly boring. Uh, the website Film Threat said that the film wasn't great, but it's still fun to watch. However, on an entertainment value, the terror of Tire Town, uh, Tiny Town is so patently weird and spirited that it actually becomes a very funny, albeit a perverse and politically incorrect film. The midget cast isn't specifically talented, and a lot of the dialogue readings comes across as hilariously stilted. The fight sequences are priceless in their clumsiness. Obviously, stunt doubles were, were out of the question here. And Nita Krebs, as the Dietrich-esque saloon singer, is so widely over the top, or in this case, under the top, that her no. mus- that that, no. that her musical siren call song is priceless in its warped eroticism. In its warped eroticism. <laughs> I was waiting for a response to that. <laughs> Just like, come on, guys. Just come on. <laughs> um, when it comes to releasing this movie on home video, it was released uh, on VHS for the first time in 2001, actually. Uh, then it came out in 2003 as part of a package called Great, Great Wacky Western Comedies. Then in 2005, it came out uh, as part of a cult classic set. And uh, ever since then, every time there's like giant cult classic sets of wacky, over-the-top cult cinema, it's always a part of it and everything. And I mean, yeah. it, it is a cult film, but it's a cult film that I mean, even for someone like myself who like bathes in a pool of cult cinema, we know of its existence, but have we ever actually watched it? So that's why I wanted to cover uh, The Terror of Tiny Town on this show, because I think there's a lot of people who are that way. They've heard of it, but never, never have actually wanted to see it because of what it is but i mean why haven't why haven't you you've watched some shit roy let's let's be real (laughs) you've you've gotten you've gotten super deep into some real weirdness why i mean i've i've seen the director's cut of from justin to kelly so yes you are correct in, in that statement why haven't you seen this one why is it taking this long for you to get to it i think it's because i'm afraid of how just cringeworthy it's going to be and i've seen some cringeworthy movies again from justin to kelly but <clears throat> i think it's because it's not only just how cringeworthy it is but because n- knowing how in the 1930s hollywood had no scruples whatsoever when it came to exploitation i case in point looking at how african americans are portrayed in cinema i can only imagine what it's going to be like for little people you know especially when you start reading things about how they walk under the salon the saloon doors and and ride shetland ponies and stuff like that i'm going oh i don't know yeah (laughs) do i really want to watch this you're like, mm, maybe. I'm not sure about I, this. It, I mean, it's different with a movie like like um, 
the movie Sonny Malone, which starred Scott Baio and uh, Jodie Foster, you know, where it was kids running around as gangsters, I, they purposely made that was done for satire reasons. I mean, the gangster cars were like those little child pedal cars, and instead of shooting guns, they threw cream pie pineapples and uh, I mean pies in everyone's face. So, I mean, I know that that one was kind of doing a satire of the gangster movies of the 1930s, but this one's not set out to be a satire of the Western genre or anything. They wanted this to be pure entertainment, and that's what kind of just really makes it feel a little more sleazier. And I think after, because of what I went through with seeing The Sinful Dwarf, I had to watch that for another podcast that I guest starred on called Creepy Kitsch, and they watched this horror sleazy film about this dwarf and his sister who would kidnap women for sexual reasons. And the whole film, like I said, was just rapey. I just didn't want to see another exploitation film with little people. So Yeah, 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 yeah. That's where I'm at. <laughs> so with that said, yeah, it's, it's happening. It's time to rip the Band-Aid off. With that said, we will be right back after we have experienced the terror of Tiny Town. Oh, God. You. Break. 
Okay, so we're back. Oh my god. Okay, we are. <laughs> <laughs> and um, okay, so remember in the beginning of the episode where I made a comment about the reason why I didn't see this in the past was because I felt uncomfortable about it being exploitive. Right. But boy, was I right. Yeah. Yeah. I got lots of questions. I mean, I got many questions. I mean, it would be one thing if this movie, because it, it, it's filmed as a comedy musical western, and it would be one thing if it was done in the name of, like, parody on the singer-cowboy genre that was big at the time. But this was purely made for Come Look at the Midgets. So, okay. So, uh, some I, we don't even t bother with the plot, right? Forget it. What it's plot? A, it's a western. It's a western. <laughs> It's it's literally a western. If you've seen a western, you've seen, seen this the, movie. Yeah. Here's the plot: two 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 uh, ranch owners are getting hustled. You know, in the middle. Uh, what was it? Not Yojimbo. I could never remember the Kurosawa movie that every single other western borrows from. And so does Dead Man Walking, which is a fantastic movie with Bruce Willis. If you haven't seen it, you should. Where um, and Lucky Number Eleven. Now that we mention it. Where it's it's two 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 bosses on either side of the street, and then one guy plays both both sides against the middle, mm -hmm. you know, and that's all that happens here, you know. And then there's musical numbers that make no sense. So in that sense, it is like a singing cowboy flick, <laughs> like down to the uh, fact that they had the hero purposely dressed like Roy Rogers and Gene Autry, and that the oh, the heroine was dressed as Dale Evans. Yeah, it was definitely my. I think the most intriguing character in this movie is the is the uh, is the madam of the what I believe is a midget <laughs> whorehouse. I believe it's a midget whorehouse. The one who sings the reprise of Jack and Jill. Yes, who dresses like Marlena Dietrich. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. She's the most intriguing character in the movie. I think that somewhere there's another hour of footage that that, have, that has been cut out of this one hour long film that, that, that get, establishes that character more because she's the real villain of the damn movie. I'll oh tell yeah, you that. she's she's playing the the quote unquote villain like a fiddle. Yes, yes, yeah. She she's the one, but everything from you know rounding up a posse for a hanging. To um, stagecoach chase, stagecoach chase to um, the the time honored tradition of the cook being the comic relief. Everything's in there. Everything's in there. It's it, I oh my god! But anyway, that's the plot. You you know the plot. It's a cowboy movie, which by the way makes this movie all the more disturbing. Yes. Because especially the sexualized music numbers, because it looks like kids in old yes. drag oh, hitting on each other. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> you know what the most disturbing thing about this was? What? Okay, so the, I have a. This is the only question I have about this film. Right. Okay. Where Where does it take place? And I ask for this reason, okay? We are to believe one of two things. 
one of the things we uh, we are either to believe that this entire world is populated by little people, the entire world of the movie mm-hmm. from from New York to London to Tokyo. You know, there are, there are midget samurai on the other side of the world <laughs> right now, or we are to believe that somewhere there is a a, a village where all the midgets went to become cowboys and everybody else outside of there are uh, normal. I, 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 normal is a wrong word. I'm sorry if there's any little people listening. If you, if you are and you haven't stopped listening, I'm proud of you. Um, <laughs> where all these, you know, uh, I, I, I guess norm core people live. And then there's this, just this village. Here's my theory. Little West, my theory, little Westworld. Oh, Jesus, man. No, but that's good. <laughs> that's real good. My theory is this is post-apocalypse. <laughs> so we made it up to 20, I don't know, let's call it 2045, right? <laughs> the bombs drop. Everything's 100 years later. The world is populated by little people. But that what that explains is why all the set was set for normal height people. Yes. Which was the most disturbing thing for me because, again, it lent itself to what you just said about the sexualization and looking like children because all the sets were made for, you know, 5'11", 5'12", six-foot-tall people. Yeah, I mean, because even, like, the walking under the bars, the, the saloon doors is one thing, but the fact that the chef had to actually walk deep into a normal-sized pantry... To get you a saw pot, that. yes, or the, the 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 drunkard who was hiding in the refrigerator drinking the beer, yes, or the the one that just made me go, oh my god, the most, the cello player during the musical oh. number for Jack and Jill. <laughs> oh no! Where the cello player, it's one guy holding the cello, standing on a chair, and then another guy. Trying to fiddle it. Yeah. With this long, giant bow. And it doesn't even look like a normal-sized bow. It looks like they exaggerated it on purpose. Well, I think that the... the, Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It was... Oh, God. So what did you think of that first... That first... And I didn't catch, by the way the subtext that they were meeting that what's her name? Uh, the ranch hands niece or the, the ranch owner's niece and the, the protagonist were meeting, had been meeting for a while. And that's why she asked the cook for two pieces of cake. Yeah. I mean, that just came out of nowhere. It's like, there was no setup that the two of them had been seeing each other, Romeo and Juliet style. Right. Which is what this was. Yeah. <laughs> God. I want to know how long it took him to write the script for this thing. <laughs> I want what I want to know is I want to know how old that one ranch hand was in real life. Um, you know which one I'm talking about. The one I know which one you're talking about. You're talking about the ranch owner, her uncle. Her right? uncle, yes. Uh, the one I think his name was Tex. He was, of course, it was. Why not? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, I believe his name was Tex, and he was, yeah, he had to have been 80 when this thing was being filmed. 
I mean, honestly, I mean, it's like I was looking at it. I'm, I'm slack-jawed at many points throughout this whole film. And then when I see him and I see his wrinkled face, all of a sudden I'm thinking Poltergeist 2. Right? Except it's like somebody took Tangina and the Reverend and smushed them into one character. But then, I mean, on top of that, we also had the stagecoach, which was a little, like, child stagecoach that was designed just for the cast to be pulled by the Shetland ponies. Right. Which was shocking. And then, if that wasn't enough, on top of the Marlena Dietrich-esque Oh yeah. Um, person who owned the, the the brothel from hell, basically. There was also the saloon singer, who was obviously made up to look like Mae West. Right, and, and it was no, so yes. it was so uncomfortable because it was so John Benet Ramsey at that point. Because it, it, here's this person who honestly looks like a five to six year old girl. Singing about wanting love and sex and someone to What were the lines of that song? Because that song was risque for the thirties. I wish I remember. It was very it was very Mae West esque. It really was the whole thing was Mae West esque. It's like I jokingly said to one of my friends, it looks like that somebody accidentally uh, washed Mae West in the wrong temperature in the washing machine. Oh my god. You're not kidding. You're not kidding. I am just like going... At that point, I, I, I actually tuned the song out because I was just dumbfounded by what I was watching on the screen. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's 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 a bad scene. It's it's only an hour long. It felt... It felt an hour, yeah. Oh, my God. There was a God. couple of times I've actually paused it and got up to walk away, and I felt like I needed a Silkwood shower because... I was just so disturbed by this yeah. film. Yeah. The the one that got me, I think, was just the weird barbershop quartet. Because it's no, no purpose. purpose. And that one guy, it was very clear they glued a beard onto yes. that one guy's face. Baby face? Yes. Is that ba- baby face, yes. Oh, God. Yeah, what? I don't. Diamond Dolly, by the way, <laughs> is the name of the uh, is the name of the Mae West the, Diamond Dolly. That is such a Mae West character name, Diamond Dolly. Yeah. Oh my God! I don't know. I don't know. I I I, I I'm trying to. Then again, I did not grow up in the '30s, so I guess this would have been entertainment for them back then. But I mean, I found. Absolutely zero entertainment value. No, with this none. movie, none whatsoever. God, I blame you for that. Yeah, I blame for for making me watch a <laughs> that is the, the least entertaining hour of my life. <laughs> the thing I found really amusing is in two separate instances, midgets get shot with standard. What has to be forty five or thirty eight? Oh my god! It's like I texted you at one point when we're watching it, and I'm like, "Oh my god, that gun's as big as her head." Yeah, 
but two people get shot, and then somebody runs over and asks if you're okay. No, the average height of an actor in this movie or actress was three foot eight inches tall. You just got shot with a goddamn cannonball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I will see. I will say this: the set that got the most work was the ranch. That was the same ranch, Mm -hmm. either for either set, whether it was the Billy Ranch or the uh, the Tex Ranch. It was the same ranch. It was the same ranch. Yeah, and they ride up to tie their horses off, and but their horses weren't tall enough to be tied off. So they would like reach up and act like they were tying something off, and it would just fall off, and they would just run under. Yeah. The tie pole and into the house all the time. Well, the beginning musical number that's establishing the town, because apparently everybody in town hangs out at the blacksmith. Oh, well, you would too if you that if you looked like that blacksmith. Oh, my God. The blacksmith was half naked. And at that point, yeah, I'm like, I need a shower. This is no. I was having sinful drawer flashbacks. The thing is, is I mean, here they they ride Shetland ponies and everything, but they have a full size horse that they're trying to shoe. Clydesdale, the biggest <laughs> horse. And here you see this little guy in the back trying to lift its leg up, and I'm like, oh my god, this is like watching a Chihuahua trying to dry up Shaquille O'Neal. This is Many so bad. Die on the set of this movie. <laughs> That's what I want to know. That Clydesdale just needs to take one step and crush that poor little guy's skull. And I'm like... Turn left, and it's killed seven people in this film. And and then, you know, at at the same time, like I said, they're singing their establishing town musical number at the blacksmith, and we're not seeing anything else of the town. And I'm like, okay, so I guess this town only has a blacksmith and a saloon. Right. But no, yeah, there's but absolutely no my, no no entertainment value to this thing whatsoever. But my problem, like you said, it was very it was very David Lynchian, but it was Lynchian because everything was normal size at Walmart, you know? This wasn't even just your run of the mill David Lynch movie. This was like a fever dream from David Lynch. This is this is the stuff that goes on in his head when he has a hundred and four degree temperature. Right, this is how he, this is his Terminator. <laughs> was it Terminator, the movie that, uh, that What's-His-Nuts what's his came up with when he was having the fever dream, he was in the hospital? Yes, that was or, James Cameron, yes. Yeah. <laughs> was it that what it was? Um, yes. Oh, God, I don't know, man. Like, all right, that's fine. We watched it. We watched it. We did. We, we did our job. We watched it. We survived it, and we're here to tell you that that one belongs to. Yeah. It, it, Let it go. Let yeah, that it, one go. It needs to stay at the bottom of the barrel. If you are morbidly curious, then fine. Don't say we didn't warn you. Yeah. If you're a completionist, go for it. But we tried. Yeah. So I guess, uh, <coughs> boy, um, what you've been. T- taunting me with what you've chosen for our next film. <laughs> All I know for sure is that it's a 70s movie yes. that came out it was a big movie that was released in Hollywood yes. with an all-star cast. Yes. That's all I know. That's all you'll tell me. So okay. I'm real curious to know what I'm getting into for the next one. Okay. Well, uh, the, the next movie that we're going to look at was released in 1970 by 20th Century Fox. 
Okay. It, it was based off of a book written by Gore Vidal. Okay. <laughs> um, it stars uh, Farrah Fawcett. Nice. Okay, I'm with that. Uh, John Huston. Really? All uh-huh. right. May, ironically, Mae West. Of course. Making his acting debut in the movie, film critic Rex Reed. Oh, no. And Raquel Welch. Oh, no. And the movie is Myra Breckenridge. I've heard tale of Myra Breckenridge. I have yet to watch Myra Breckenridge. But I've been told... Not to watch my Breckenridge. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Myra Breckenridge is our next film. Um, it is. I will let you know right now that, but by, t- by today's standards, it is so politically incorrect. It is absolutely politically incorrect. Um, I just watched a midget cowboy punch a midget <laughs> whore in the face. <laughs> like, and I'm pretty sure he connected. All right, that's you can't come, you can't tell me that it's politically incorrect. <laughs> well, with Myra, well, just to kind of give you a, a, a brief idea with Myra Breckenridge, um, Myra Breckenridge is about a man played by Rex Reed. Okay who decides he wants to become a woman. And so Myron is his name. He has a sex change operation to transform into Myra Breckenridge. Okay. Who is Raquel Welch. What? (laughs) So we go from film critic Rex Reed transforming into Raquel Welch. That's uh, fantastic. <laughs> um, and that's all I will say about the movie for now because all right, yeah. Um, eh, wow, this is going to be one of those movies where you're going to be sitting down watching it and you're going to be slack jawed the whole entire time. Um, it also, oh, the other thing that I will mention is it features one of the early on-screen performances of Tom Selleck. Oh, really? Yes. All right. I'm in. So just prepare yourself for this. This movie is just... This This is this movie makes Caligula go, oh, my God, what are you doing? Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. that type right. of a film. All right. Let's do it. Let's so, do it. That is our next one. In the meantime, um, you can email us at cultcinemacatacombs at outlook.com, or you can follow us on Facebook under uh, Cult Cinema Catacombs, or on Twitter under These Films Exist. At e- each episode, we keep um, living up to that name there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. And uh, tune in next time as we discuss the incredibly politically incorrect attempt at transgender equality film in 1970, Myra Breckenridge. There you go. So until next time, talk to y'all later.